hey, let's role play that we're old best friends who haven't seen each other in 10 years and are talking for the first time since then. You start. OMFG, Kenzen. WTF, I never expected to see you on here. It's been forever, dude. I guess I haven't seen you since the whole Eiffel Tower incident, LOL. How have you been? Oh my God, who, who is this? You're, you're doing great. You don't remember me? Olivia? We had Kim together sophomore year and I was always wearing black jeans and Doc Martens. Ring a bell. Thank you. This is fun. Oh, Olivia. Sorry, I just got a new phone and all my contacts were deleted. What was your number again? Oh, you slick motherfucker. Okay, you deserve it, honestly. Extra, extra, read all about it. Podcast tackles controversies that define your world. Listen to Indubitably now. Extra, extra, read all about it. Valentine's Day is coming up, or for some people, Singles Awareness Day. And if you're in that latter category, there's a good chance that you might have some experience with our subject matter today, dating apps. Some people have used these to get lucky, in love, get your mind out of the gutter. Other people have sworn them off forever. And today we'll be comparing them to traditional dating and deciding how we feel about this modern way of meeting people in the digital age. Throughout this episode, We'll be sharing some of the experience that our friends have had on various dating apps, different first messages, profiles they've come across, or conversations that they've had. We hope that you enjoy sharing in their misery, amusement, and sometimes romance. And to help us have that discussion today, we have a guest joining us. Jennifer C. Martin is a polyamorous writer in Richmond, Virginia, where she lives with her two partners, two kids, and two pets. She writes about religion on her Substack, Dirtbag Christian, comes up with recipes on her Safe for Work OnlyFans, Let's Have a Three-Way, which we'll link on both our Facebook and Twitter, at IndubitablyPod, and is a senior contributor at Only Magazine. In her spare time, she likes yoga, baking, gaming, and spending too much time on social media. Welcome, Jen. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me today. I, I got to ask right off the bat, because it's probably what our listeners are wondering. Let's have a three-way OnlyFans. Do, <laughs> do we want to know what this is? I'm obsessed with baking. I like the creative aspects of baking. Like I really like vegan baking, even though I'm not vegan. I like gluten-free baking, even though I'm not gluten-free. And so I thought I'm just going to make three different recipes of the same thing. Mm. And so I'm making one recipe three ways. And um, we're looking forward to more unfiltered things from Jen throughout this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, if I had to choose between following an OnlyFans with carbs or the alternative, I'd probably follow the one with carbs. I have posted like sexy photos, but I've never posted nudes. My mom follows my OnlyFans, so. Well, angel food cake is pretty sexy. <laughs> tell them, tell, tell everybody about your costume for the photo shoot for that Oh one. my God, I bought wings and a halo and I like wore this like little baby doll dress lingerie thing. And I was like, I cannot believe this is what I'm becoming. <laughs> Well, let's start at the beginning, which is, of course, the first messages that are sent when a match is made. Are you my appendix? Because I don't understand how you work, but this feeling in my stomach makes me want to take you out. Are you the sun? 
because you have to stay 20 million miles away from me. <laughs> I suppose this is a one example of a, a first message that somebody could, could send. <laughs> Maybe not the most successful one. They're not always terrible though. Let's let's try one more. 615-2BF-2CB-044 exclamation mark. What? It's the Wi-Fi password. I figured you were going to ask for it eventually anyway. Groan. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. I thought no. that one was pretty clever. <laughs> I mean, so some some first messages on these apps are are more successful than others. Some are more tolerable than others. Some we just don't want to talk about. How do we feel about have have Jen, maybe you have you had any uh, interesting experiences uh, or have any of your friends had interesting experiences <laughs> with <laughs> receiving first messages? Um, one time somebody like sent me a long, I put everything in my profile right off the bat. Like, I don't want people to, and you, this is assuming they look at my profile, but I don't want to surprise anyone with any information about me. I'm like, I'm a mom. I'm have two partners. I'm a Christian. I'm polyamorous. I'm bisexual. Like, and then for the girls, you have to list your astrology sign too and like your ENFP. <laughs> so I always do it. Anyway, one time a person sent me a long paragraph message. I don't know if this is going to work. Like we matched. And the first thing he said was, I don't know if this is going to work out because I struggle a lot with the concept of polyamory and la 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 la. And I'm like, you could have just not matched with me. You could have just not swiped on me. <laughs> so they, they matched just to tell you that it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. And I was like, thank you, I guess. <laughs> well, at least now you know, because otherwise yeah. you might have been left in suspense forever. Oh, yeah. I know that the stigma here for first messages, uh, with the exception of maybe Bumble, where the, the girl is supposed to send messages mm -hmm. first, is that the guy is going to send the first message, but I don't have this side of things. But from my understanding, that first message is usually either sup. Or <laughs> you want to come over tonight? One of those two. Yeah, yeah that actually, that tracks. <laughs> uh, and it sucks. It, it's obvious that nobody wants to have a real conversation when those types of messages are the starting point. The, the sub message basically puts the entire like work of the conversation on the recipient, which is bad. And mm. the getting too serious too fast in the messages does not sit well with some people who are very prudish. Maybe some people who are on this podcast right now. <laughs> well, I think that's representative of most people, to be perfectly honest, or <laughs> even if you're open to those sorts of things, maybe not somebody that you just matched with online 10 seconds ago, who may or may not be real. I tend to like look for wit. I'm ADHD. I already have two partners. It's almost an unfair because I feel you can't really judge someone based on a few lines of text or even a profile. Definitely not just pictures. So it's probably unfair, but you have to be like really witty or interesting or unique. For me to really engage. And what, what percentage of messages do you think are sent like that? Five to 10% or the rest That's, of them. I was going to say 5%. Yeah, that's yeah. probably right. Yeah, spot on. Well, 100% of the messages I send out are witty. I mean, <laughs> my friend sends out okay. <laughs> are witty. I'm sure you think they are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe that's the issue here. <laughs> what about, so Bumble, where the girl is supposed to send the message first, do you think that girls or females would put more 
thought into first messages? You see, say five to 10%, this is receiving messages. Do you think messages going out would change? Bumble gives you uh, prompts you can just use, specific questions that you can use to initiate a conversation of like, if you got stranded on a desert island, what three things would you like to bring? Something that was just like actually asking a question that maybe is not super simplistic. But when it comes to actually like sending messages, my friend would try to reference something in their profile Mm. that indicated she had actually read the profile. Mm. Yes, I always do that. And you know, I'm bisexual. So I, if you're bisexual on Bumble and you're swiping right on a woman, like either of you can message each other. I found that women will read your profile more than men and non-binary people read your profile more too, typically. See, for, for me, for my friend, on the majority of dating apps where there's an expectation for the guy to message first, I see a lot of profiles where people are complaining, don't match with me if you're not going to send a message or literally this is not Bumble. You need to message first or be more creative than just, hi, how's your day going? But on the flip side of that, uh, from what I've heard on Bumble, 95% of the messages fall into those categories when it's the female messaging the male. Well, I guess we're just the exception to the rule. <laughs> it's just interesting seeing different perspectives. Um, I mean, yeah, women can be boring too. We can we can be anything. We contain multitudes. We can be boring. <laughs> the 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 most okay, I will say the most frustrating version of this though is if you are on an app and you do take the time to read somebody's profile and you take the time to craft like a thoughtful personalized message, you send that out and then you just get the match with no reply. And you're left there having to do it again. Like, I can't think of two creative things without any feedback whatsoever. Come on. A little bit of reciprocity would be nice. It's still less effort than talking to people in person, which I know, I know we'll talk more about like the differences between those things, but I feel like the burden of trying to be creative and actually make note of their profile that indicates you've read their profile. I feel like that's not that high of a bar. Hmm. Do you think that because there is a quote first message when you meet somebody in person too, if you were to just go up to somebody in a bar, you would have the pickup line. Do you think that, you know, we're complaining about how the first messages go on these apps. Do you think it's better or worse than in person, the the pickup lines that you might be approached with? So I was thinking about this and this is actually a friend, not like a wink nudge friend, but a friend who Mm -hmm. told me he really started to understand why like catcalling is so prevalent in places like New York is because everything is so fleeting. Like people go by each other so quickly on the street and you see like hundreds, thousands Mm. of people a day that like you have to be as succinct as possible to make your intentions known. Catcalling is the most succinct way to indicate you're interested in somebody. So I guess there's that aspect of the in-person side of the coin. I don't know much about the bar pickup line. I don't know if that's even like a thing really. Maybe it's just movies or, you know, I'm thinking of before dating apps were so prevalent, you would hear, here's the corny pickup lines you could come with. And now that dating apps are prevalent, you hear, here's the corny first messages that you can send. Maybe dating apps don't really change much. I think dating apps make it easier to quickly understand what that kind of person is in a way that maybe in-person dating couldn't replicate because you can just be exposed to so many more people so much more quickly than like the in-person side of things. But people are still either garbage or good, regardless of the app. Mm -hmm. 
I do also think it's almost emotionally exhausting though. For me, like the act of going through so many people and this elimination squid game shit is often emotionally overwhelming. It's so exhausting just to reduce somebody down to a profile commodity. It's just one second judgment, like yes or no. But in in person, you can just sit with somebody for a while. And on the one hand, you don't know their secret. You don't know what kind of person they are, what their beliefs are right off the bat. So that's scary. But you also can just kind of sit with them and like let them either grow on you or slowly ick you out. You can get like a different idea of the person when you get their tone of voice, you can see the nonverbals. And I think it's natural that when you're getting messages to read them in all the same tone, because there's the reading voice you have in your head. And so everybody's got like an equal voice on the app. And I know some apps have actually started to include voice prompts. Yeah. Hinge does. Yeah. For that reason, I think, because it does give a more information, but it's hard. Like what Jenna's saying, you're filtering out so many people or even in person, Kelly, there's so many people walking past you in New York, for your example, that in terms of those first messages, I think it is difficult to craft a personalized message for each profile and go through each profile. And I know there's definitely some profiles that might catch your attention. You say, okay, I'm going to take some time with this one. And there's other profiles where I'm interested, but it's exhausting to, what are you going to do? 20, 30 a day have to write an essay. It starts feeling like homework. It sounds like one of the most important things that you can do with a first message is at least show that you've taken some time to read their profile, which leads us to our our next topic, which is profiles. And I guess these can be the number one tool to get what you want. For example, here's a pretty great use for a dating app profile. Austin Locke who we don't know, but I just saw this online. He says, I'm pretending to be a hot girl on Tinder so I can match with my roommate and tell him I'm coming over so he'll clean the apartment. (laughs) That seemed pretty genius to me. Yeah, I'm all about subterfuge to get people to do chores. My dating profiles are always very straightforward. Being like polyamorous, all of these identities that I have, I feel like people deserve to know I'm very busy. I don't have a lot of time. So I am really explicit. Hey, like this is who I am. This is what I'm looking for. This is how I am available. And do you think people read that? Like, do you get the sense that they have read it? Other polyamorous, queerish, LGBTQ people in that category get it. This clear and explicit communication right off the bat is very prevalent in the polyamorous community and a little bit in in the queer community as well. The last time I even bothered with this, which has been a couple of years now, I decided I was going to do the, I'll just be honest on my profile rather than try to appeal to anybody's preferences. And so I made the critical error of mentioning veganism and feminism. So that didn't go very well for me. Oh, left swipe, left swipe. No, like seriously, (laughs) I got a lot of people who obviously read my profile and were very much, what's your deal with guys? Don't you ever like have a steak? There's nothing more than an aggrieved man who loves to eat meat, who wants to force somebody else to eat meat. I don't get that, but it's pretty common. (laughs) So another example of a stranger matching just to tell you you're wrong. Yeah. You know, and it, and it sucked. I hated it. But at least they read your profile. At least they read my my profile. (laughs) And a lot of those guys, particularly when I was trying to match exclusively with men, a lot of them didn't fill out their profiles at all. 
So if there was somebody that you might have matched with otherwise, but then their profile changed that, is there ever a time where there's somebody you look at the pictures and you're thinking, "Mm, probably not going to match, but then you read the profile and it's just so convincing or you feel like you have enough similarities that you say, you know what, I'm going to give this person a chance anyway. Sure. I did that once. It was this 4chan adjacent guy, which means he was a little, not a little, he was pretty offensive, but he just had such a weird and quirky profile that I wanted to talk to him. I was never attracted to him or anything, but um, we were online friends for a little bit, but then he posted something so offensive that I just had to block him. Yeah. I I ignored a profile red flag because I thought the commonalities were strong enough. So he was a soccer fan, but not a Portland Timbers soccer fan. (laughs) (laughs) The humanity. (laughs) Yeah, no, I ended up actually dating him, which is a whole other story. But going back to the profile or or the way that just apps work, what you were saying, Jen, one, one wrong word can make somebody just lose interest because there's so many people out there to choose from. The apps incentivize people to treat other people like numbers. And I think it almost sometimes puts you in a situation where you have to weigh out your own self-interest versus dating authentically. Yeah. Where's the line where it's like, okay, now you're doing something unethical. If I say I'm into the outdoors and I want to go on an urban hike, oh my God, you're stretching the truth. You're presenting yourself in the best light possible. Like when does that become unethical though? I downloaded Tinder at the beginning of this year because I was, I don't know, bored and new year, like what, what's out there. And then I realized as I was going through that I wasn't actually interested in dating anybody. And I was just chatting with people, maybe even just for attention. And I thought this is really shitty to do to other people. And I just deleted the app, Mm -hmm. which I think was the right call. Having the communication up front is certainly important. Jen, you were saying your profile covers some of the check boxes that you fall into. But there's like a gray area where communicating certain things just as a society, as a culture, we're just not good at it. For example, saying, hey, COVID has been really difficult for me and I just want some sort of human interaction, even though that's just texting a stranger on a dating app. You can't, I mean, you can, but you can't say something like that and expect somebody to continue, expect most people at least to continue to talk with you. So there's this self-interest, this self-preservation of, I have to hide some of my motivations in order to engage in the process the way that I want to engage with it. But then of course, like you said, that's, it's not necessarily fair to the people that you're interacting with. That's why I think OkCupid in particular has maybe an edge on some of the other ones, because you can answer questions, what you're actually looking for, Uh, politics and everything, hundreds of questions really, and refine your matches that way. So you can weed out the people who have a dissimilar value on what type of communication you're getting out of the experience. But then you'd have to go through and spend all that time putting thought into your answers, write explanations for some of your answers too, if I remember correctly. And it's work, but it might help. Do we think this is why Tinder might have the reputation of being the hookup app? is because literally you can do as much or as little as you want to. And so people that aren't really invested in finding a relationship, they're like, I'm going to put up a picture and probably with a fish and one shirtless and one of a tree. And then I'm set, (laughs) you know, versus an app like that. If you're going to put the time in, there does come like a certain level of authenticity to it. I 
used OkCupid when I was first polyamorous because it was the only app at the time where you could filter for that. And it was definitely more emotional. I went on a date with a girl who would later become my girlfriend, who I would later have a pretty bad breakup with. Um, She was a mom too. She's like, let's meet our kid, hang out at the park together and see if we like work together immediately instead of just like, hey, let's meet at a coffee shop. That might be a bit much for most people, but at the same time, it does seem like there's a genuine interest of, okay, I want to get to know this person holistically and not just treat them like a number. And that's really what these apps incentivize people to do is, you know, on the girl side of things, from my understanding, inboxes will be filled with just an unmanageable number of people. Yeah. And on the guy's end of things, because you're one of that sea of people putting effort, how much effort do you really want to put into Hmm. somebody when you're probably going to be forgotten amongst the other 20 that are rejected for the one that might make it through? Well, that's the argument for the guy to put in more effort to stand out from the 19 other subs and like actually send a message that means something. It's starting to feel a lot like college applications. <laughs> sure. <laughs> this makes me feel sad for men. On the other hand, I've watched my male partners also be on dating apps because, you know, we're all polyamorous and they didn't have as much l- luck and success on dating apps as I did at first. Now my husband has a girlfriend that he met on a dating app and Ty occasionally talks to people on dating apps too, but it's definitely more difficult for them. So I do sympathize with that aspect of it, but they're also upfront about being polyamorous and all of that. So it's even harder for them Mm -hmm. on, whereas like men are interested in maybe polyamorous women because of the sexual expectations and assumptions that they have about me, women might be kind of the opposite. So they have literally only ever been in relationship with other polyamorous women. Yeah, I think this whole system can bring out the worst in men and women. I I remember reading one interaction, Kelly, you want to do this with me, where the boy said as an opening line, what would you have on your burrito? I know your girlfriend. LOL. <laughs> yeah, the girl literally was like, I, I know, I know your girlfriend. You know, so there's definitely some like the the cesspool of humanity can be found in these apps sometimes. Guys should know. I I'm gonna say it's guys, but I know that it's not just guys. But I feel like guys should know that if they like put themselves on a dating app, if their partner doesn't see it, their like partner's friend is gonna see yeah, it. Yeah, that's stupid. It's, it's so obvious because <laughs> you have to put a photo of your face on. I mean, unless you're straight up catfishing with a stock photo. And if you're dating in your town, people know you in your town. Oh my God. Men are unbelievably dumb. I don't know if it's just me (laughs) because I'm visible on social media and I'm openly polyamorous, but I have people who are married and they hit on me on Instagram. And all I have to do is go to their profile and see pictures of them with their wife and sometimes children too. I mean, maybe they could be polyamorous too, but usually they're just, usually they're not. Anyway, I'm not going to hook up with a random guy who's like my DMs on Instagram. So <laughs> I was, I was told this was a viable strategy for meeting women. Are you learning like so much right now about like <laughs> what not to do? I'm taking notes during this episode. <laughs> there's, there's also a, I think maybe I, I was going to call it a gray area, but maybe not of just misrepresenting to a certain degree your intentions. On these apps, of course, this is super generalized, but I think largely true 
women on, on apps might be more geared towards relationships. Men might be more geared towards physicality. And so I came across a term the other day that I'd never heard before called a soft boy. And a soft boy is apparently somebody who is trying to upplay their emotions and their, their desire for intimacy, emotional intimacy, as a tactic to get that physical intimacy. That sounds like what guys do. I No, I have never been hit on by a soft boy as far as I know. Sometimes I get guys who like tell me sob stories. I don't know, make me feel sorry for them, but I feel like that's different than what you're describing. Cause I know the concept of a soft boy. And I just, uh, I don't think those, maybe those people aren't, may, aren't as attracted to me. Maybe I seem too intense or something. I don't know. No, I, I can definitely point to experiences where the like emotional vulnerability was amped up for like pity points, but I wouldn't have classified any of those interactions as being with soft boys. I don't know. Maybe it's like a misnomer for for what's happening. The guy who's like, Oh, I just moved here and I'm so lonely. And it's Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. yeah. Or the, uh, I'm totally a feminist too. Oh my God. As long as you're a girl that I'm attracted to the amount of times, the amount of times I've gotten fake feminist guys. Yeah. I'm all about like respecting women on the note of manipulation and all of the different tactics that people employ to try to up their numbers. A recent controversial event would be the West Elm Caleb situation, which frankly, I know of, but not much about. And I don't think Josh knows anything about Jen. I think you might know a little bit more about it. Yeah, I will tell you everybody about West Elm Caleb. So West Elm Caleb is a guy named Caleb who lives near West Elm. And he was on Tinder and he was dating several women and he would take them all to the same restaurant and he would send them all the same. This is my favorite part. He would send them all the same playlists on Spotify and say, I made this for you. But I don't think that he indicated like that he was ever intending to get super serious with any of the girls. And then he would just ghost the girl. He said he was going to, cause he said he worked for West Elm, I think, and that he was going to oh. name a couch after them. I did hear an episode of, I think it was, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And I don't know if it was dating related. Maybe I'm mixing up two stories, but where D okay. It wasn't dating related, but I do remember it. D went to a escape room and then took the gang to the same escape room again to make herself look smart. because <laughs> That's his game. He had a winning formula, but I think that, I don't think that that's unique to this guy. I feel no. like if guys are like actively meeting a lot of people and they've got like a restaurant, they know well, and they've got like certain things that are setting them up for success in their dates. I don't see that as being like super problematic. No, I just think Caleb is just a mid to low tier trash dude in his twenties, but I don't think he deserved to be doxxed over it. And like his employer contacted. I just can't believe it rose to that level of escalation. I don't know about everybody else's experiences. Maybe I am incredibly pathetic, but I would have like first dates with people that I would meet on apps and then crickets suddenly no responding text messages, never talk to them again. Well, let's, let's talk about ghosting in a second, but first I, I hadn't heard of this West Elm Caleb thing before. Is there an expectation? Again, when we talk about the numbers on these dating apps, I feel like at the beginning, unless it's explicitly stated otherwise, there's an expectation that everybody is dating other people at the same time. Yeah. And then I've seen some things online where people would like start a conversation with somebody on an app 
And then he would ask, it was a specific incident. I'm thinking of the guy would ask, are you talking to other people on the app as well? And she would say, yes. And he'd be like, no, that's not how this works. I'm the only person you're talking to. And then like block her, which is (laughs) an incredibly unrealistic expectation. I sign up for an app and I find this guy's profile and I have forsaken everybody else on the entire app for this one person. No. Before meeting somebody, I definitely agree with that. But at the same time, do you not think that it sets a better foundation? If you are looking for a relationship, say, once you've had the date with the person, if you decide this person has potential, do you think that it does give a, a potential relationship a better chance to succeed if you say, okay, because I met this person, they do have potential, I'm going to put things on both ways. We're going to put things on pause with other people and see how this plays out. Obviously, I don't think that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my friend may have had a similar situation where a guy she was talking to was also talking to like many other people, but they hadn't made any commitments to each other. So she was like, as long as everybody's honest with each other, no one's made a commitment. No one has forsaken all others. Then it's fine. Mm -hmm. You just have to be transparent, treat people with respect and honesty and allow people to have enough information so they can consent to whatever situation that they're in. Right. The situation you're talking about, obviously, that seems a very authoritative, controlling way of going about doing it. Very problematic. But I I definitely see some value in not demanding, but potentially suggesting or like, hey, I'm willing to give this a chance and put things on pause until we see how it goes. Yeah, that's a conversation that I think is part of the process of moving from dating into being in a relationship. And maybe part of it is just dating and like dating everybody that everybody wants to date. And then maybe just dating exclusively prior to actually committing to a relationship. I think that's a phase. But that's not the expectation on dating apps. The expectation is that West Elm Caleb is what's happening most of the places. It's really weird he would get that much flack if that's how things just kind of go. It's just that like every girl who was involved got on TikTok. And they all found each other and it became like a big thing. But I don't think, I I mean, I don't think that he's unique. No. The only thing I'm not willing to commit to is any one particular carb over any other particular carb. Who, I want all the Who's carbs. asking that of you? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> diet. Um, <laughs> let's move on. We did, we did mention ghosting. Ghosting to me seems like one of the most accepted things. That's one of the most emotionally damaging things that you can do, but everybody's just like, eh, it's fine. I think the first few times it's kind of emotionally upsetting and then it just kind of becomes wah-wah. I don't know. I feel like people are really bad at conflict these days. You know, I was watching Seinfeld recently and I was amazed at how George and Jerry would sit down and be like, this isn't working out because da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And like they would call somebody And they would even be like, oh, you can't do it over the phone. You have to do it in person. People, I guess, have lost that ability to have these direct conversations about it like that. I struggle with it, too. So I'm not like making fun of anybody. I struggle also with the conflict of I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to date you. Do you think a conversation just fizzling on an app or even if you've gotten to the point where you started texting And it just, people don't ask questions anymore. They just answer, yeah, LOL. And then like, don't say anything. Is that the same thing as ghosting? Or is it just kind of like, it it died its natural death? I don't think it's the same thing as ghosting. Hopefully people aren't getting that emotionally invested. But maybe if it was a really good conversation, maybe if you were about to exchange numbers or, or something. See, I've definitely, you know, I'm sure everybody's been on dates before that didn't go great. And 
afterwards, I don't want to have to have a conversation of that didn't go great. I mean, I don't want to be mean to anybody. So I've definitely been in situations where I wouldn't reach back out again after a date. And if they also don't reach back out again, I don't feel as that's ghosting because neither person is attempting. Yeah. But, but if you go on a date and you don't reach out and then they do, I I do think that at that point there should be like some obligation of, of at least acknowledging, okay, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I don't know. I actually think I might prefer ghosting to being like told directly. Mm. I don't like you. You suck as a person that was in an unenjoyable cup of coffee by forever. (laughs) Isn't that, isn't that where you're supposed to just use the line? Like, Hey, are you interested in being friends? No, that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, but we all know what it means, but it's a, it's a yeah. nice way I mean, no one, no one means it. I mean, that I think that goes along the lines of don't be untruthful. Don't manipulate anybody. I don't, I don't need friends. I'll that's be your how friend, I felt Kelly. for a long, that's how <laughs> I felt for a very long time. I was like, I have partners. I am online. I don't need friends. So, so we're talking about all these. I feel like we need to be fair here. We're talking about like all these horrible things that people can do on dating apps. But I did come across potentially the most wholesome bio that I've read. And uh, this lady who, whose profile picture was a picture of a cat. So points for that. Speaking of not needing friends, she says, listen, I need to be clear about this. I think it is brave and good and pure of you to be looking for love. And I know that it can be really hard and defeating at times. We've all been there. But I hope that you don't let some stupid app make you feel any less valuable, lovable, and worthy than you are. We might not match. Not everyone is everyone's type, but I'm rooting for you. And I hope you find what you're looking for. And that got me in the feels. That is really sweet. Yes, that is nice. And I think that there are good things that come out of these apps, obviously, like people do find what they're looking for, but it does take a lot of work, which is why some people decide not to do it anymore. But I know people who've met on dating apps and got married and have a successful relationship out of it. It it happens. People find success in these situations, but it does, it it takes effort and time. Yeah. One of my um, partners I met on a dating app and it's funny. I think it was on Tinder and we were both looking for something casual and it ended up not being very casual. Were you both pretty upfront about the fact that you were just looking for something casual? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we try, we're trying to be, but we just got really close. So no, and that, that's kind of my point is it, it actually seems, you know, when both people are upfront about their intentions, even if those intentions were just casual at first, at least it sets a foundation of trust and that could lead to something, even if you weren't expecting it, that seems like a healthy way of going about doing things. And the opposite of what most people would think, oh, let's be friends first and then build a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's not be friends. Let's just we want this one thing. Oh, and look, now we're in a relationship. <laughs> that one thing being baking partners, of course. Of course. So there can be some good things on dating apps and dating in person has some challenges too. Like dating apps do make certain aspects of the process much easier. There's a reason why I'd say it's become the standard way of dating now. Yeah, I definitely feel that people are less shy about seeing that they've met people online than they used to be. Uh, I think a lot of people used to kind of concoct a, oh, we met through friends or, oh, we met at a bar because it was like shameful to have met on an app. But Mm -hmm. we know lots of people who've met on apps and they're doing great and they're not, you know, ashamed of that. I had an interesting experience. I guess it was maybe three years ago or so. 
And one of my friends had a friend who I also knew and I liked her. And so I asked our mutual friend, Hey, you know, would you be willing to see if they might be interested in meeting or going on a date? And she straight up said, no, that's weird. I'm not going to do it. And it wasn't like, I'm weird because obviously I'm very normal, but it was literally the idea of setting up a friend with another friend was weird because it's supposed to happen on the apps now. And I was like, ah, this is, we've, we've now kind of reached a tipping point where meeting in person is the strange way of going about things. Like going up to somebody yeah. in a bar, for example, now is weird rather than just swiping on a complete stranger, meeting a mute, you know, meeting a mutual friend where we both have things in common. We have somebody who can vet each other that we're both above board. Uh, that's just not an acceptable way of doing things anymore. I don't think that it's unacceptable. I think that that girl was probably just weird. Maybe it is me. Maybe I've been in denial this whole time. No, I think it was her. <laughs> I'm I'm actually giving you an out on this. One, I appreciate Josh. that. No, but <laughs> I think it was her. But it is it is interesting. There has been a there has been a shift to where uh, as dating apps have become more and more acceptable then maybe going up and approaching people in person is seen as belligerent or unwanted. Well, guys are really bad at approaching women in person. Yeah. Okay, but but like, is that full stop. is that because they're not interested in the guy or is that actually just like it make they do it in a way that makes you feel unsafe. I'll have conversations with strangers. I'm not like I'm an extroverted person, but the when men do it to hit up on you, it makes you feel unsafe uh are you gonna stalk me like mm-hmm. am i gonna get out of this situation alive yeah i i've i've been followed mm. i think that there's just something and i'm and i'm pretty tall and i'm still like afraid <laughs> <laughs> and i've taken self-defense classes and i'm still afraid because there's just so much unpredictability when there is an unknown man in your vicinity talking to you in in a way that i don't think is ever going to be felt on the reciprocal and so that that's just like categorically unpleasant. And so maybe dating apps are a, a form of protection or a shield against yeah. that sort of thing. I mean, that's definitely for a positive sure. for them. Yeah, I think the reputation used to be that they were unsafe, but I honestly feel that with all of the safeguards that are employed by the dating apps and that people can take for themselves, like I said before, letting your friends know where you're going to be if you actually meet somebody, um, I think that they're probably a lot safer than just like being approached downtown on an urban hike by some (laughs) strange dude you've never met before. Yeah. And the better technology gets, the more tools it seems like they start to implement to make you feel like, A, the person's real. They are who they say they are. And if we do end up meeting up, I have options to keep myself safe. Yes. We mentioned earlier also this idea that when you, if you do approach somebody in person and (laughs) they don't like you, dealing with that rejection sucks. And at least on an app that happens less. You, you you can't see somebody swiping left on you. And I also think that besides just for everybody, you know, for me, I wish I had a little bit more hair. Uh, I used to have more hair and right. So if I go up to somebody in person, maybe I'm self-conscious about that, but on an app, if my picture shows it, they know ahead of time. So if they swipe, right, boom, don't have to worry about that. Or mm. for another example, we came across, <laughs> I came across a profile. This guy's name is John and John seems awesome. Uh, John is in a wheelchair. Both of his legs uh, appear to be amputated or or he's he's lost them somehow. And his bio is, I enjoy long walks on the beach, except I can't walk and the sand fucks up my tires. 
<laughs> and I think this is awesome. And, you know, I think it gives people who might be self-conscious about something, which is probably everybody, it gives them a chance if they want to, to put it out there and know ahead of time that anybody matching with them has already seen it and is obviously okay with it, as opposed yeah. to going up to somebody and just hoping and then dealing with the rejection that comes afterwards. I would say most of the time, but there are certain people who seek out folks who maybe don't potentially don't feel as great about themselves because they don't fit like a traditional beauty standard and kind of prey upon them because they may have lower self-esteem. Um, Aubrey Gordon talks about that in her book. I'll just plug Aubrey Gordon's book because it's an incredible book, but, uh, the idea that people are like really trying to manipulate a situation where they assume that somebody who maybe does not fit a certain physical standard might also just accept any kind of treatment from other people, um, which is not true necessarily. But would that be unique to apps versus traditional dating? No, I don't think so. I think that dating is just holistically horrible. <laughs> I think I've made my position pretty clear. But, but as bad as dating might be all around, it it does. I, I don't know. I think that it might give people a sense of confidence or it might just humanize people in a way that in-person dating might not. And one of the groups, and this, I, I'm, I'm interested to have you on for this bit, Jen, especially, is, mm-hmm. you know, when you have um, kind of non-traditional relationships, and whether that be uh, the LGBTQ community, who I would imagine would have some challenges going up to people, not being sure what their thoughts are, whether they have right. similar views, et cetera, or people in polyamorous community, for example. Like dating apps seem to me to be a, like they would be a useful tool to, to avoiding some of the challenges that you could have. I mean, absolutely. They have a, a couples swingers type app. There's field. I've used that one before and to success. And, you know, if you're looking for like what you would call in the polyamory community is a unicorn, which is a bisexual polyamorous woman willing to sleep with a with um, a hetero hetero male woman couple for the coveted FFM threesome. That's sort of a joke in the polyamory community. The scariest one though, for the an alternative community, and I don't really overlap much with this community, but the BDSM community has FetLife. <laughs> and FetLife is bizarre. And the app literally looks like MySpace. And <laughs> right off the bat, they're incredible. messing up. <laughs> yeah. I don't like maybe they've updated it, but like I got on FetLife once and I first of all, I was not as interesting as the people on FetLife. They were like the, they're just like really upfront. It's very sexual based. So it's I'm looking for a Dom, I'm looking for a sub, and many, many other kinks that I didn't even know existed and things like that. Can you put your top eight friends on there, like on my sis. Can can your profile play a song when they come and look at it? <laughs> I hope so. it's like it's like just like skinny puppy or ministry though, right? But life is popular because you can find exactly what you're looking for. And the same with field, whereas like on Tinder, the majority of people are monogamous looking for a monogamous relationship. It feels like you're just wasting a lot of time doing mm-hmm. that. And so it's mm-hmm. nice to have these niche communities. Or even in person. You know, if you're looking for somebody of the same sex and you find somebody that you like in person, but you don't know if they have the same preference, how do you go to that conversation? Or obviously I'm speaking for people that I'm not part of here, but 
for a trans community too, if you meet people in person and you've transitioned already, and then you start a relationship and then later on, do you have to disclose, you know, that's horrible. And then, you know, maybe you're accused of having lied. Yeah. That, I can't imagine. People get killed. Yeah. People get killed. That's, that's, that's just like a, a, a risk that I can't imagine how willing people might be to put themselves in that situation, knowing how unpredictable the reactions are mm-hmm. of, of people who may be like feeling like they got that information sprung on them and things like that. Yeah. And I don't think in that situation, anything has necessarily been done wrong. You meet somebody organically. It's not their business you know, what your history is or, or any of your specifics. And then things develop organically. And now it comes to a point where, okay, now they, now they should know, or they're going to find out regardless, um, depending on, you know, where things are. And yeah, now you're putting yourself in harm's way, or at the very least the relationship in harm's way. And it seems like dating apps is a, is a way to avoid all of that. For the most part. Yeah. I, I mean, there are still places as much as we can in COVID where people can go and meet people of a similar persuasion or whatnot. But I actually just learned that there are only like 50 lesbian bars total in the United States right now. Oh my gosh. That's ridiculously low. Maybe that's just because I live in Portland and I'm like surrounded by lesbians. I'll say y'all probably have like eight of them. Maybe. Yeah. I was just thinking, I don't think there's uh, like a gay bar. There's like a drag bar here in in Richmond. Richmond is a mid-sized city. Um, and it's pretty alternative too, but yeah, there's definitely not a lesbian bar. Yeah. And then there is like a lot of transphobia in the gay community, not all of the gay community, but there can be. And so like going into a gay bar does not necessarily convey the same level of protection that people might assume if they're not part of those communities. Definitely some positives for the apps too. I I don't want it to make it seem like we're just (laughs) bashing on them for an hour. You're talking to jaded people about those sorts of experiences. Yeah, not everybody's going to be like thrilled, but we know that people find success with these things or else they like wouldn't be as popular as they are. They at least give people hope, Yeah, you know, <laughs> which, which is, is kind of invaluable. It's the Las Vegas of, uh, of romance. <laughs> right. Hit the jackpot. L- less money, less money. Usually you have to pour into it too. Although the paid upgrade subscriptions, that's kind of fun, right? Mm-hmm. You can actually see who liked you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just depressing. All right. So I guess uh, at the end of all of this, all of our stories and profiles of our friends, Jen, what do you, what do you think? We've got dating apps, good dating apps, bad, better than traditional dating. I'm biased. I'm going to still lean toward good, but you're biased by your own personal success in it. And I have had pretty successful situations. I find them very stressful and I can only do them in minimal. And I like almost to the point, like with COVID when I didn't date anybody or like even seek out hookups or anything like that, just stayed home all the time. It was really overwhelming the minute I got back onto one this past January. But if you're really looking, I think, I think that the good always the bad. Kelly, I don't think that dating apps are any worse or better than dating in person. I think that they have both advantages and disadvantages. I have completely written off both, not because I'm like sad, but because I like really enjoy my independence and things like that. And the actual psychological trauma of going through the dating process, I just don't need in my life anymore. So for those who get a benefit out of it, enjoy. I'm going to 
finish grad school and hang out with my cats. And I'm perfectly happy with that. So, yeah, I think the, the dating apps do provide some benefit to traditional dating, but at the same time in those benefits are also hidden some of the negatives, right? Like we talked about the access to just the numbers of people that you can meet, but then also the way in which they turn dating into a numbers game and it incentivizes people to act inauthentically kind of put their own self-interests uh, above the well-being of other people. So I guess, you, you know, for me, if people could all communicate openly, it would be fine. But maybe maybe my problem with dating apps is also my problem with just people's inability to communicate, right? Like if one, if that didn't exist, then dating apps would be great. But considering people can't handle a breakup text <laughs> or a conversation about breaking up or, you know, can't handle like, politely telling somebody that they might not be interested. Mm, it definitely poisons the well of the dating apps. But one thing they do give us is a lot of funny stories and a lot of funny profiles. And we have collected some of those. And so if you'd like to see some of the ones that we think are the best, you can check that out at our Facebook or our Twitter at IndubitablyPod. And if you have any stories or screenshots that you'd like to share you could definitely share those with us there as well um jen thanks for coming on the show today it was kind of awesome to have a different perspective especially considering yours is pretty unique yes no i just want to <laughs> say thank you for having me thank you again on behalf of josh and myself this has been another one of our kooky indubitably episodes and i hope everybody had as much fun as we did in telling some of these stories. Happy Valentine's Day or Singles Awareness Day. <laughs> or happy Anna Howard Shaw Day. Until next time, everybody, thanks for listening and take care. Thank you. Bye.